We're going to start here with the Mishnah on the bottom of Chavbed Amadbed. The Mishnah says, Ayomid Bitfilah, Nizkarshu Belkeri. He was davening Shemar Yasui, and all of a sudden he remembers that he's a Belkeri. Lo Yavsik. He doesn't stop in the middle. We quoted this Mishnah earlier in the Gemara. Eli Yikatzer. He should shorten each of the brachot to try to finish up quickly. Yerad Litbo. He goes down to the mikveh in order to be mitayar himself. Im yachol alot ulhit kasot. If he can come out of the water, cover himself, vilikrot, and then say, Kriyajma, it's before sunrise, yale, get up, read kasid, and he should go up, cover himself, vikra, and read Kriyajma. Vimlav, if he won't have enough time to do all those stages, it he covers himself with the water. Obviously, it has to be water that is not clear, or he has to make the water not clear by kicking up some dirt, making it so that he is libo enroed ervato, and then vayikra, and then he will say kriyat shema. Tosafot had mentioned earlier bachlokat about when davening with neitzachama was. Does davening with neitzachama mean that you start shmona esr with neitzachama, or does it mean that you say kriyat shema at neitzachama? For those that believe that it's shmona esr with neitzachama, this is one of the big proofs, because here it says that he has to be able to come out, cover himself, and read it. Before the Neitzachama. So, he stands from here that Tfilat Vatikin is when you say Shema before Neitzachama and then you say Shmon at the Neitzachama. So, Veloit Kaseh, Lobe Maimarim, should not cover himself with water that is putrid. Velobe Me Mishra, the Me Mishra is waters that they soaked flax or hemp in, and it was also a putrid type of water. The only way you can be in those waters is if you dump water into them and you dilute them to the point where it's not a problem. How far do you have to distance yourself from these waters or from excrement? You have to be at least four amot away in order not to be within the sphere of these items which are inappropriate to dive next to. So so the first line in the bright is similar to our Mishnah, which is that if he's standing and davening, he remembers that he's a Belkeri, doesn't stop, but shortens the remainder of Ishmael Now, if he was reading the Torah, and then he remembers he's a Belkeri, again, he doesn't stop. He stutters along, he mumbles along and finishes up. Belkeri cannot read more than three psukim in the Torah, which is the minimum amount for an aliyah, Gemara Megillah tells us the minimum amount for an aliyah la Torah is three psukim. So that's all the Balkari can read in order to complete the three psukim. That's what he can do. That's it. No more. Suppose the Tanakamu thinks he can finish up, but just has to do it quickly in a undertone. Tanya Yidoch, Ayo made Betvila, Vera He's standing davening and then he sees excrement. Kenegdo, opposite him. Melech Lifanav. He continues past the excrement, until he's past it, it's the behind him. Don't have a bright that says he has to move the tzoah, I mean he has to move to the sides of it, not in front of it. Depends on the possibilities in front of him. If he has the possibility of moving in front of it and putting it behind him, then that he should do. But if there's a river in front of him, and the only choice is to go to the right or the left, then he moves it to his side, and he has to either side, and that also is fine or qualifies. 
he's davening, and he finds tzoah excrement in the place where he's davening. Even though what he did was wrong, nevertheless, his tefillah is accepted. The korban of the Rishoim is considered to be a toiva, something that's disgusting. And so too over here, you're offering up a tefillah to Hashem, tefillah which is kenegeda karbanot, and you're doing it in a manner which is unacceptable, in a place that is unacceptable, makom mitunaf. Since he did sin, even though he davened, his tefillah is unacceptable, his tefillah is an abomination. What does he have to do? So since the praise is inappropriate, the tefillah is also unacceptable. It's unacceptable, then you need to daven again. You have to replace that tefillah. That tefillah is not considered to be a tefillah. Uh, just to note here, the Rambam, in dealing with Loeg Dorosh, Kherifoseu, the subgyot that we dealt with earlier, when it comes to making fun of the poor, but they're the poor person being those that are dead. So the Gemara quotes a number of halachot to deal with that. And for instance, one can't be within Dawud Amot of a kever. One can't have tzitzit hanging out in the Beit Varot. All of these dinim that deal with Doeg Rosh Cherifoseu, which the Rambam has a great difficulty with, because the underlying premise is that the Medim know what's going on, and they talk, and it's very difficult for a rationalist. So the Rambam, in his explanation over there, does exactly what this Gemara does here, which is that if you dive in next to Tzawah, the Tzvilah is Eno Tzvilah, because it's an inappropriate makom for Tzvilah. So that's what the Rambam says, for instance, in being in the Beit HaKvarot, Seven times the Beit Hakvarot, Rambam says Tefillah to no Tefillah. It's not a Tefillah. The Rambam jumps on. What do you mean it's not a Tefillah? What's wrong with the Tefillah here? Why isn't it a Tefillah? It's Loi Gorosh Kerfoseu, but it's still a Tefillah. But that's underlying what the Rambam says. The Rambam says that Loi Gorosh or Beit Hakvarot becomes a Makom Amitunaf, becomes equivalent to being next to Tzoah. Therefore, if you dive in there, your Tefillah is no Tefillah. So that's how the Rambam deals with what seems to be the Loi Gorosh with Loi Gorosh, but it makes it into a Makom Amitunaf. Obviously, the right, but disagreeing, because he sees the Gemara, it says, which is, it's a tefillah, but you did something inappropriate, you made fun of the Meitim, that doesn't change the qualitative tefillah that you had there. Standing and davening, and his urine is dripping down his leg, he has to stop until it, it also stops, and he finishes davening. Where does he go back to when he goes back to davening? So it's clear here, we're going to see in a second, that he needs to go to the bathroom. He's trying to hold it in so he can finish up davening, but he's somewhat unsuccessful at doing that. And so there are some drips that are coming out. So he has to wait for the drips to stop, and then he can continue davening. When he continues davening, where does he go? So he has to go back to the beginning of davening. He goes back to the place that he stopped. Let's say this is what the premise of their machloket is. That if you waited the amount of time it would take you to complete the Shmonesri, then you have to go back to the beginning. So they'll argue about this premise or this principle that if you delay or tarry within a tefillah longer than it would take to complete the entire tefillah means that you're silent, you're interrupting it for whatever reason. It's as if you didn't dive in, you have to start from the beginning again. We have this with Megillah, we have this with Kriyat Shema, we have this din appears in many places. So let's say that their Machlokit is premised on this. How long? Say they waited. He waited for enough time that he could have died in the Hoshman Esrei. Now what happens? So that'll be the Machlokit between them. 
So Amaravashi, ha Yimshaha, Imosha Miboile. That's not the Lashon that is used in the Machloket here. They should have said, if he waited, right? Or if he didn't wait that amount of time. That's not what's mentioned over here. That's not the pivot point of their Machloket. Everybody agrees, if you have enough time to complete the entire Shmonesri, then you have to go back to the beginning. Our Machloket here is a case where he did not have that time. He didn't have sufficient time to complete the whole Shmonesri. So now it's it's not considered to be a complete hefseg. So Marzav gavra dechuyahu ve'en ra'oi ve'en tefilatot tefilah. So one says that he becomes a gavra, an individual who's dechuy, who's outside the realm of tefilah. So one thing, if you stop in the middle of tefilah, but you still could daven, you just stopped, so that's okay, because you could have davened, you just didn't, and then you continue afterwards. But over here, you had no choice. You couldn't daven at that time because of the urine that was coming out. If that's the case, you lost your connection to tefillah. Because you gave a person who no longer can engage in tefillah. And that's a full-fledged tefsake. And therefore, whatever you did until now is nothing. you got to go back to the beginning. He's okay. He could daven. He has a short-term problem over here. Meaning that even though he couldn't wait until he finished off his tefillah to, in order to urinate, nevertheless... What he did already until now was a good tefillah. He wasn't urinating during the first part of his tefillah. So just because he has some trips now, does not ruin the tefillah. And therefore, tefillah to tefillah, and he goes back to the place where he stopped. So, Tan Rabbanan, Hanitzrach Nenikavav, someone who has to urinate, Al Yitpalel, should not start to daven. If you have to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom, then you daven, you don't approach Hashem when you are in that state of being, when you have to Urinate. If you do daven, your tefillah is unacceptable. That depends on whether he can hold himself in. If he's unable to hold himself in, then his tefillah is no good. If he's able to hold himself in, meaning that he could wait to urinate, then he is fine. Vad kama. How long does he have to be able to wait in order for that to be considered fine? So the amount of time that he would take to walk with Parsa, Parsa is equivalent to four meal or 72 minutes. So that would be the amount of, a person could wait to urinate after davening or including that time of davening, 72 minutes, then they're not considered to be under pressure to go to the bathroom. They have time. They can wait. Therefore, they can also daven. If they feel more pressured than that, then they should go to the bathroom first and only daven afterwards. Some say that this was a part of the Brighton. The Brighton has not been qualified by the statement of Rabbi Yudah, but rather the Brighton itself has the qualification. It's only if he cannot hold himself in. If he can hold himself in, then his feel is good. Bad How long is that? Now comes the statement of Rabbi Parsa. That was until he can walk a Parsa. Amar Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Amar Rabbi Yonatan. So here we have a Tosefta. Nitzrach Menekavav, someone who needs to urinate. Harizel Lo Yit Palel, he should not daven. Mishum Shenamar, because they bring the pasuk. He kon the krat elukecha Yisrael. See the pasuk found in Amos over there. It's describing to Bnei Shal what's going to transpire, and it says to the Bnei Shal, ready yourself. For all that will come from Hashem, 
So the Gemara takes that also from that context and says, in order to meet one's Creator, you have to be Hikon. You have to prepare yourself to meet the Creator. So this, the main Gemara that relates to this, Hikon is found in Gemara in Shabbat and Daf Yud. Over there, the Gemara says that Hikon Yisrael describes what Amoraim used to do in order to prepare themselves to Tefillah. The first thing that's mentioned there is that they used to put on a garto. So that's the source for putting on Gato to come to Daven. It's from Hikon Kratalukecha. The reason that some may not have that minhog is based on the Tosafot on the spot. Tosafot quotes the Machzor Vitri. Machzor Vitri says that they only put a Gato on their day because they used to wear a tunic. And when they wore a tunic, then their heart could see their erva, because there's nothing separating. Today, where we have elastics on our underwear, you have a belt, you wear pants that divide anyway between Libo and Erva. Right? There's totally different clothing. I mean, it's a total separation between Libo and Erva. One does not require the Gartel in order to dab it. But, that's true about the Gartel. You still might require Ikon Likratel Israel, which is one should do something special in order to dab it. Over there, one of the, the Amorim put on shoes. So tells us what it says. It proves from here they're not going to dab and wear barefoot. And the Amora used to take his cloak off. So they would consider themselves to be chashuv. One of them would clasp their hands in order to show that they were coming supplicating before Hashem. Another one used to get buttoned up, dressed up, so that he looked perfect coming in Tishman Esrei. All of these things are a preparation or to show one is approaching Hashem. And the same is true today, that one should do something special when they come to Davin. I always say that it's worthwhile to wash your hands to go to Davin, because the Rambam Paskins, that it's one of the things that's ma'akev tefillah. That if one, one of the makvim tefillah is washing one's yadayim, so could die according to the Rambam, to wash your hands anyway, to David. On top of that, you get the benefit of which is that you're doing something special to come into David and you wash your hands. Others of the practice also before Shimon Esri to do something, to either to button their jacket, to get themselves especially prepared, because that's when you're going to step before the melech. Always make sure wearing a tie to make sure the top button's up and put the tie up at the time before it comes from an essay. If you were going before the president, that's what you would do. The more casual style is okay when you're not standing right in front. But when you're right in front of Hashem, you have to do something in particular to show that you're approaching a Kosh Baruch So here the Gemara takes that same Yikonikrat HaLukach Yisrael and says that not only is it applied to one's outerwear, it applies to the goof itself, that one has to be prepared to come before God. What is meant by the Pasuk? Be guarded with your feet. Watch how you come to the house of Hashem. Watch yourself that you do not sin. And if you do sin, then bring a korban. This is the continuation of the Pasuk. One should heed or take to heart. Should listen to the words of Chamim. That if you sin, you bring a korban and you do tshuva. That's the continuation of the Pasuk. From the giving of the korban by the fools. Don't be like the fools that sin, bring a korban and don't do tshuva. So that they don't consider, this is the Pashtut Pasuk, they don't consider that they are doing something bad. So therefore, they end up trying to bring the Karbanot without any thought about what they've done wrong. So that's inappropriate. So it says, take to heart, take heed, take to heart the way they bring their Karbanot, and don't do that. 
So when you're coming to the house of God and bringing a zebach, you should do it in a different manner. So when it says, If they did that, Don't be like the ksilim, the fools that sin. And they bring a korban, and they don't know why they're bringing it. If they're good for the bad, they don't know the difference between good and bad. And they bring a korban. So they dash in the pasuk over here of Shmor Aglecha, referring to Mesech Raglayim, other terminology that's used in Tanakh as well as by the Gemara, Memei Raglayim, to mean to urinate. Shmor Raglecha, make sure that you watch over yourself when you come to stand before me. Now, what Rashi says over here is interesting. He says, Shmor Nikavecha, is mebin raglecha, k'mon la'asechet raglav, which is talking about, right, to relieve oneself. Shmor k'nechavecha, shelo yafichu. Be careful, so did you not pass gas? Or did you do not have the urge to uh, defecate? So over here, Rashi shifts, and it does because of the Lashon of nikavecha, although even though in Yitzvah nikavav before we define as urinating, over here, Rashi seems to shift and say that the problem of coming for Hashem here is not simply urinating, but even to pass gas, do something that would be inappropriate for Hashem. And that's how he defines Shmor Nikavech over here, Bishah, Shatau made B'tfilah Lefanai. So he dives in that Pasuk, the additional drush, and that's why it's brought over here, is not only Shmor Raglecha, dealing with coming before a Kodesh Baruch and bringing a Korban, but Shmor Nikavecha, Bishah Shatau made B'tfilah, Tfilah is connected to Karbanot. So when you come before Hashem, as if you're bringing a Korban in Tfilah, you also have to be Shmor Raglecha, and Raglecha being a euphemism for having to relieve oneself. Alright, Tanu Rabbanan, I'm going to read the Kisei. Choletz, Tfilav, Berachok, Dalet Amot, V'nichnas. Person who's going into the bathroom, has to take off his Tfilin four Amot away from the bathroom, then he can enter into the bathroom. Am Rabach, Baravun, Am Rabach, Sheshad, Oshonu, Al-Bet HaKisei, Kavoa. So I'm talking about a fixed bathroom. Av-Al-Bet HaKisei, Arai, if it's a temporary bathroom, Choletz, V'nifne, L'Altor. You just take them off and you go to the bathroom right away. But then after you leave that location, you have to distance yourself from Amot to put them on. You now made it into a bathroom. So as Rashi points out here, Beit HaKisei Kavua, Sheyesh Bot Soa. Beit HaKisei Kavua is something that has excrement there already. So v'chol, Batei HaKisaot, Shibgmara, Pnei Asadeh, Heim, Belo Chafira. It's talking about where there is no pit. There is no place that gathers the excrement. It's done out on the open field. So Beit Kvua means that this is a place that is normally used for location for people to relieve themselves over there. So since already it's gotten the status of Beit Kisei, one cannot approach it with tefillin. And therefore he has to take him off for away. Whereas if he just goes to the bathroom wherever, meaning that he picks the location of Measadeh, and then he goes ahead and he relieves himself, then until that point in time there was nothing wrong with that location. So he doesn't have to take off his tefillin. He takes off his tefillin and he can go to the bathroom right away. It's only once now he's gone to the bathroom there, now that becomes a beta kisei, because he's left excrement in that place, then he has to move away for a moat in order to then put back on his tefillin. Then the Gemara says, What is the rule with regards to entering into a fixed beta kisei in order to urinate? Ravina Shari, Ravada Bermatna Sar, Ata Why? But we worry about the fact that he might defecate in them. Or maybe he will relieve himself in them. 
So now the Gemara says, Tani Yidach, we have another bright Tani Yidach, we have another bright Tani Yidach, we have another bright Tani that says a person goes into a bright Tani Yidach, has to take up his fill and four amut away, put them in a window that's near the Shutter Rabin, and he says, and when he goes out, he has to distance himself for a moat and put them on. That's what Beit Shemai says. He holds him in his hand and goes in. He holds him and he wraps him in his bag and he goes in. He says, what do you mean his bag? It could fall out. They're unrolling and fall out. He has in his hand but wrapped up in his bag together. And he puts them in the holes or the hiding places that are near the Beit HaKisei. He shouldn't put them in the holes next to Shudabim because maybe those passerbys will take them. And then some suspicion might arise, which is, the words of young Tamar Chacham, he took them off, put them in those hiding places next to Shudabim. Uvad Zonachat, there was a prostitute, Vinatlatan, and she took them. Ubad the Beit Midrash, and then she shows up in the Beit Midrash, Ramaru Matanli Ploni Bishari. Look what he gave me for my services, as compensation for my services. When he heard this, Allah the Rosh Agag, he climbed onto the roof, and Afal fell down on mate. Botoshait Kinu, Shehokzan Bibigdo Ubiadol. That is, hold him in his begging in his hand, Vinichnas, and then go in. So, therefore, in order to avoid that problem, they changed what you should do. Let's work through this. In terms of Tosafot, you look at the first Tosafot. Here he deals with some of what we're asking for. Hashina and Shemif Nebahan Vasur. We worry about you going into the Beta Kisei Kabua, and then possibly you will either a pass gas or flagellate, or they will. Have to defecate. It's only true in a fixed bathroom. And here comes the big chedesh of Tosafot, which is brought down the halacha. Something that will shock you. Aval beta kisei arai shemi gilim nifnocham mutar lashtin bahem lo chashin and shemi ifneben. If you are just walking along the way and a person feels a sudden urge to urinate, and it's not at a fixed place, a fixed bathroom, a person can urinate with his tefillin on. About to urinate with your tefillin on, no problem. Because there, there's no thought that Shemi Yifneban or Shemi Yafiach Ben, we don't worry about the fact that you may pass gas or you may defecate in them, because it's not Beit HaKisei Kavur. That's not where people do such things. We have a bright says, Do not urinate in them even in a temporary Beit HaKisei. That's when you're holding them in your hand. Because we'll see in a second there's a problem with uh, splashing on the legs and then he's going to have to clean it up and that'll be a problem with the tefillin in his hands. But if you're wearing them, go ahead and you can urinate with your tefillin on. Something I think that would surprise most people. That uh, Tosfa does and we Mishpur brings down the locha that one can urinate in tefillin as long as you don't go into a bathroom. You can't go into a makum tumah. You can't go to a place that is otherwise classified as a beit kavua. But if someone is out in the field or someone's out somewhere where they can urinate and they have their tefillin on, they go ahead and they urinate with their tefillin on. Alright, we didn't get to that yet. It's later on in the Gemara. Alright, it's not today's Gemara, because you asked the question, I'll just quickly deal with it, which is that the Gemara says that Beta Kisel Shebavel have a different status. So actually what it says, because they were on a midron. They were on an incline. And that meant whenever you went to the bathroom, whatever was there got removed. So if one uh, defecated, it rolled away from the location where you went to the bathroom. And therefore the 
Tumah, or that which was Tinofet, got removed each time. Whereas in Eretz Yisrael, they either did it, or they had a pit where it stayed in a stationary location. Based on that, some want to say today that our Beit HaKisot, our bathrooms today, have the same status as the Beit HaKisot Shabavel. Today, whatever is disposed of in the bathroom is then flushed, sent away, and no longer there afterwards. So it should be like Beit HaKisot, like Bavel. Those who argue against it say that our Beit HaKisot are different. Ravad Yosef, I think, argues against it. I'm not sure that I agree with necessarily with the realities of what he says, but he says it's different. In Bavel, whenever you went to the bathroom, it immediately moved away. Because it was on an incline and it immediately disappeared. Whereas today in our bathrooms, first it collects there in the toilet, and only afterwards is it removed. So he says that that's not like Beit HaKisot Shibavel. I just question that the reality of an incline like that, did this really go away so fast, and did it really so easily? I just think that their day to have the technology, having that everything just washed away instantly, seems nice, but I'm not sure that it worked perfectly. And so they say that our toilets are so different. So there are Deot Ben Achronim, in its modern day post scheme, that I argue whether the Beit HaKisot today has realized the status of Beit HaKisot or not because of that. Tomorrow I'll get to it when we get to Beit HaKisot Shabavel, but anyway, that's just a preview. Anyway, so Tosavot is important over here. And then we have the Gemara, we brought down one Brayta that says that when you go into the Beit HaKisot Kavua, the Shtin Mayim, there we had a Machloket Amoraim as to whether it was permitted to do so or not. Then Rova says it's Asur which is the way that we passed in, that it's Asur, the Gamre. And because of the Chashash, Shema Yifneh Behem or Shema Yafiach Behem, one of those two reasons, which Tosfut says only applies to Beit HaKisei Gavua, not to Beit HaKisei Arai. And that's how we came to the conclusion that if one urinates in a Beit HaKisei Arai, then that is permitted even with one's tefillin on. Now the Gemara moves on and brings a series of Takanot where the Rabbanim were trying to deal with this issue of removing one's tefillin, going to the bathroom, and how do you deal with this complexity of a problem? We're not dealing in a place where they have lockers and you can put your tefillin. you got to leave your tefillin outside. It's like, for instance, you go to a public bathroom. And if you had to leave your tefillin outside and in a public place, who knows what would happen to your tefillin when you came back out. So they had the same problem. So what they originally did was they put their tefillin into like lockers, into little holes right by the Beit HaKisei. What was happening was the mice were coming there were rodents that were out there, and they would come and eat them up or pull them away and take them off. So they said, alright, So instead, they told them to put by the windows or by the holes that have face out to Shudabim. Then the passerbys were coming and taking them, so that's it. So they finally came around to the conclusion that he should take him his hand and go in. So Amra Rabbi Meashab, Braid Rabbi Shubin Levi, or it's Barbara, the grandson of Rabbi Shubin Levi, Halacha Golulan Kemin Sefer. He wraps him up like a Sefer. Bochzan B'Yimino Kenegli Bo. Takes his right hand and places them near his heart. Amar Rav Yosef Ben Yumi. Amar Rav. That's how he goes into Beit Hakisei. Again, to remember that he has them with him, but to cover them up and to take them in in an appropriate manner. So Amar Rav Yosef Ben Yumi. Amar Rav Nachman. Uvad Shlotei Rutsua Yotzei Mitachin Yototefa. No Rutsua should stick out more than a tefa from under his hand. I mean, his hand has to encapsulate the entire tefillin and the ritzuot, in order for this to be okay. Why is that? So Rashi says, Shlotet say ritzuot she'ish ba kedushah. The ritzuot have kedushah, shari behen hu koshran. Because that's how he puts on the tefillin. Ubekesher nireh v'asiyato kemin dalet. 
So the Kesher of the Shorosh has a Dalit, Hashem Achat Meotiot Shel Shakai, one of the letters of the name Hashem. The Shin is on the Bayit itself. And Tolan Shayad, you have the little knot over there, which is the Yud. So the Ritzuot are an integral part of the spelling of Hashem's name. So therefore Rashi says the Ritzuot have Kedusha. If you remember back on Davav, Rashi said the same thing, and Tosfot took major issue with that. Tosfot says, that's not true, Ritzuot do not have Kedusha. Like Tefillin, they are only Tashmishay Kedusha. They are not actual Kedusha. And therefore, they don't have full-fledged Kedusha. The Shem Hashem has nothing to do with the Ritzuot. So Tosfot disagrees with this position of Rashi that they Yeshba Kedusha. It has, they are Tashmishay Kedusha, not full-fledged Kedusha of Tefillin. That might still require you not to allow them to go into the Beit HaKisei. But they are not, like Rashi is suggesting over here, full-fledged Kedusha, like Kedusha of Tefillin, according to Tosafot. Alright, so then, Amar Rabbi Yaakov Bar Ach, Amar Rabbi Zerag, Lo Shanu Al Shi'esh Shahud Bayom Lo Lavshan. So if he has time remaining in the day to put them back of all. Alayin Shahud Bayom Lo Lavshan, so let him come in Kis, Tefach, Umeni Khan. He takes, he puts him into their bag. He makes a kiss, a bag that is a tefach, and he puts him in there. Amar Rabbi Barachan, Rabbi Yochanan, Biyom Gololan, Kimin Sefer. During the day, he wraps him up like a sefer. Minichan Biyado, he holds him in his hand. Kinegli Bo, Belayla. So let him kiss tefach, Minichan. He puts him into a kiss that's a tefach, and he puts him in there. Amar Rabbi Loshan, Ela Bekli Shuhuk Lulian. It's only true if you have a kli that is the kli that you normally put them in. Of a kli, Shainu Kliyan, Afilu Pachom Mitefach. If it's a kli that you normally don't put them in, then you can have even less than a tefach. And that is because, Oselem kis tefach, the chalolo tefach, Rashi says, it has to have an empty airspace of a tefach. The chosh of a kli, oel lafsik benam lakarka. Because it makes the kli into an oel to separate between it and the ground. And that's only if it's a kis that belongs to the tefillin. Because as Rashi points out here, kis asuil tachan de kilyan karov liot batel eitzlan. So when it's a kis that's made for the tefillin, it's almost batel to tefillin, it doesn't act like a kis. This is very important. The Gemara is going to say this later on. I'll mention it now. Is that you require, in order to take, for instance, tefillin into a bathroom, in order to put tefillin down on something, you need them to be in a double casing. Now, a double casing, that only applies if it's not normally the casing that the tefillin are in. If you have a tefillin bag, and then on top of that you have another plastic bag, that's not considered to be a double wrap. It's going to be a single bag, because they're all considered the tefillin's bags. <coughs> talk about that later in the daf about designations of the tefillin bags. But that does have an impact, and that's the same thing that the Gemara is saying here. If it's a clean and designated for the tefillin already, you need to have a chalal tefak, it has to be something more significant, so that it has a status of clean outside of the tefillin, so that it can be mafsik, because otherwise if it belongs to the tefillin, it's as if, almost as if it's not there. If it's something that doesn't belong to the tefillin, then it's something separate. So for instance, if one takes their tefillin in their tefillin bag and then places them into their suitcase, then you're in a kis betoch kis. Because the kid said the tefillin is your first keys counts as batel, the tefillin is all one keys. And then the outer one, the suitcase, becomes the second keys around the tefillin. Everything is batel. Everything belongs as one keys. Right, so that's what the Shaul is saying over here. If it's not designated, but because if the tefillin are always in there, that they have a certain amount of designation for the tefillin themselves as well, even though there's a talus in there. Better off to try to create a second covering over it that has anything to do with the tefillin. And we'll get to that later in the Gemara. I'm just mentioning it now because this din derives from the same concept. You know that small kilim could save in Olamit. Why? It's because of the avir, because of the airspace that's in them. That airspace, they don't work. So there has to be some sort of airspace in them in order to protect. Now, why? Because they're a keli. 
if they're a keli, they're considered chashuv and they protect. So, so do over here. If it's not the kli of the tefillin, then as long as it's a keli, that's enough to protect against the zayona tefillin. But if it's designated for the tefillin, then you run into this other problem. He was going into the bathroom and he was carrying with him a medrash, the sifre, agarata, have a yoyvlan. He would hand it to us. If he's wearing tefillin, he wouldn't give it to us. Amar hoyel v'sharuno rabbanan. Right, so now that the rabbanan said it's mutar to carry them with you. We saw that with the series of brightel. You're allowed to carry in your tefillin to the Beit HaKisei now. The natron. It's an unbelievable statement. They protect you. Yishmereni. They'll protect me from the mezikim. It's an unbelievable statement. Not wearing the tefillin, carrying the tefillin will protect me. Since they're abundant, say it's tired to carry the tefillin into the Beit say they afford me a certain amount of protection. I'm not going to leave them with you. I'm going to go in with the tefillin because they will protect me inside. Very, very difficult because we don't say, for instance, like a mezuzah. You put up a mezuzah on the door, that protects the house. You take a mezuzah and you carry it around with you, we don't say all of a sudden that it protects you. That that's a shmirah. And the Shmirah is doing the mitzvah. So the mitzvah is what creates the Shmirah. So it's over here. It's fill in, create the Shmirah when you're wearing them. What is this business? You're carrying them in your hand? And that is considered to be the Shmirah. So what you have to say here is that the idea that we said before, which is that it intends to put them back on. So this is part of Kedushat Tefillin. Part of wearing Tefillin is protecting the Kedushah of the Tefillin. So when he enters into the Beit say removing them and having a mind to put them back on is a chelak of the mitzvah of Tefillin. The mitzvah tefillin is to wear them when the goof is naki, to remove them when the goof is not naki, and that's part of shmirat kedushat tefillin. So since he's involved in that mitzvah of shmirat kedushat tefillin, that's what gives him or affords him the protection. So I think you have to formulate it in such a way, otherwise it's surprising that you would say such a thing that they could protect you, even then you're not doing the mitzvah. So I'm Aslan betrayed the Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman, we went after Rabbi Nachman. We have an akad sefer degadita. He's holding a sefer of a you know sefer kodesh. Eivlan, he would give it to us. Kiyav an akad tefillin. He's wearing tefillin. No eivlan. Amar hol v'shanu rabbanan in natron. Same idea. Since the rabbanan said it's mutar to take it in, they protect us. Ten rabbanan. Lo yechaz adam tefillin biadol b'seiv tor b'zerov b'itzpalel. So here you go. This is a very important din in Shmon Esrei. One may not be holding may not be holding tefillin in his hand. Or a sefer Torah and Davin. One should not urinate while he's holding them. And he should not sleep with them. Not a permanent sleep, not a temporary sleep. Some are small. He adds on to this. We'll see in one second. A sakina knife, money, kara, a serving dish, kikar, and a loaf of bread are all similar to this. So what's the problem here? So Rashi says, You can't concentrate. Why can't you concentrate? You're afraid they'll fall. Right, exactly. You're, you have a certain amount of fear, the question of damaging the item that you're holding, or whether the item that you're holding will damage you. When you drop the knife, it might end up on your foot. Or it's something that's precious, and if you drop it, it'll ruin the knife. Any of these cases, you lose your focus in tefillah, because you have to focus on what you're holding in your hands. That's for the issues of why you can't hold them. Now what about lo yishan ban? You should not sleep in them. Rashi says, what's the problem there? Shema yafiach. Because you may come to pass gas, flatulate while you are holding them. Or Rashi, you see in the Gyusat Agra, Shema yapil. Maybe they'll fall out of your hand, which seems to make a lot more sense here. Because the problem here is not wearing them. He doesn't have Darashim Dusha. The problem is that when you fall asleep, you lose your grip on these items, and they're going to fall out of your hand. 
So therefore, we don't want you doing this with items like tefillin and Sefer Torah. We don't want you falling asleep and they're going to fall out of your hands. So now, let's move right there. Amar Rav, Amar Rav Sheshit. Leit Hilchotok Haimatnita. The Lacha is not like this Breitah. The Beit Shemaihi. This Breitah is authored by Beit Shemai. Di Beit Hilal. Hashto Beit Kisei Kabua Shari. We saw in the previous Amor that what did Beit Hilal say by a Beit Kisei Kabua? Mutar. To take your tefillin into a Beit Kisei. Beta kisei arai mipoi. Then a beta kisei arai here when we're talking about that you're not allowed to urinate with them. Why not? By beta kisei kavua, you're allowed to, to carry in your tefillin. Over here, why can't you urinate holding onto your tefillin? That's a beta kisei arai. It's not even a beta kisei. It's just urinating wherever it is. Why can't he hold them? So the problem is that this brayta continues. And the brayta continuing doesn't sound like this, which is, farim shitarti lechakan, asarti lechakan. That which I make mutar here is a sur here. My love, what's, what is it talking about? Tefillin. Or what I said is Asur here in this Brayta, which is you're not allowed to urinate with the Tefillin in your hand. I say it's Mutar by Abitayta Kisei Kivua. Iyamar Bishlama Beitelel Itartel Chakan Kavua Asarti Lechakan Beitel Kisei Arai. So that makes sense. Ela Iyamar Bishamai Halo Sharlo Mivelo Midei. What do you mean? What I made Asur here is Mutar here. Nothing's Mutar going to Bishamai. No, no, no. That last piece of the Brayta is talking about when a person has to relieve themselves. When a person has to relieve themselves, how do they expose themselves? So that's for a Tefak Tfachayim. We have one Brayta that says, A person goes to defecate. He, he opens up, exposes in the back a Tefak, and in front, Tfachayim. Another Brayta that says, He's allowed to expose a tefach to defecate. Well, if not, look cool. Nothing in front. My love, idiv idiv biish. Both of these are talking about a man. Lokasha, kanlik dolim, kanlik tanim. Depends on whether he's simply defecating or if he's also urinating. If he's urinating, he can expose his front. If he's only defecating, then he can only expose his back. It says, betizbra, that makes any sense. Ibik tanim, nachrab tefach lomali. If he's urinating, why does he have to expose his back at all? They're both talking about defecating. Difference between a man and a woman, anatomically, they're different. Meaning by a man, in order to defecate, he will take down a tefach in the back, but he'll also have to expose the tefachim in the front in case he urinates. Because when a person is defecating, in all likelihood, they will also urinate. So he has to open up his front. But by an isha, by a woman, when she exposes in the back, she does not have to expose in front, because anatomically she can urinate without having to expose the front. When she exposes the back, she covers both of those. Why says, Allah. So then, what about the next line in the Brightest? This is a kavachomer that has no answer to it. What do you mean there's no tshuva? You're darker than this is biology. There's nothing about here. I'm Kamachomer, a man, woman, and there's a difference between them. So that's why you have this distinction. It has nothing to do with the Kamachomer. Elav Tvilin. Must be a Tvilin. It's talking about the Tvilin, and this is a strong refutation of Roba's position. Roba over here said, Beit is not the author of this Mishnah. Beit Shemai is the author of the Mishnah, and Beit disagrees. So no, it sounds like no, Beit does agree with this Mishnah. And nevertheless, there's a distinction. So Amar Kasha. Right, it is a it is a refutation of his position, but now you're left with the problem. Hashta, this is your question, David. Hashta, Shari, you're allowed to carry them in. Then why by Beta Kisei Arai you're not allowed to carry in your tefillin? Where there is no splashing when you urinate, there it's mutar to carry in your tefillin. 
Beta Kisarai, which is something that is not prepared yet, so the ground is harder, and the ground is not ready for you to urinate on, then when you urinate there, it splashes back onto your leg. Deacon Nitzotzot, Asrei over there, they said it's a sword to carry in the tevilin. What do you mean there's no tshuva? It's a kavachomer, but we have a pircha, and that's why there's no kavachomer. Tshuva bayatoi, we have a good explanation for you. So this is what it means. This din, you have to know the reason for it, and don't learn it logically through a kavachomer, because if you learn through a kavachomer, you actually learn through a kavachomer, and kavachomer, you don't have If you use a kavachomer, you're going to end up with the wrong din, it has no answer to it, and you're going to end up in the wrong place. So the answer is, you have to have the timer, you have to understand the reasoning behind it. Now the insult is something that comes up in the Gemara many times, is that when a person urinates and it splashes on their leg, they worried about that because people would think the reason it splashed on your leg is not because you urinated and it splashed back on you, because you have a problem urinating. And the problem urinating is the possibility that you're a kutshivcha, means that you do not, you cannot arc your urine properly. If you can't arc your urine properly, we saw this in the Gemara Nida, that is one of the signs of impotence, the inability to procreate and to inseminate. If that's the case, person has children, there's going to be a chashash of how these children were born if this person's unable to be the one who inseminates his wife. So because of that, the chachamim were very makpid. If splash, you get splashes of urine on your leg, you have to wipe them off, you have to clean them off. So the fear over here is that if you get these splashes on your leg and you're holding tefillin in your hand, then you're going to wipe them off with the tefillin in your hand. You're going to use the tefillin and you're going to wipe them off. So that's why it turns out to be a beta kisei arai is more chamor than a beta kisei kavua because of this problem of the urine splashing back onto the leg. Person wants to enter into a meal that's going to have some duration to it. So beforehand, she walk ten times for a mot, or four times ten amot, and try to then should, each time you should squat and try to go to the bathroom and then go in because it's impolite, it's not proper etiquette to have to get up in the middle of your meal, especially in their meals where they lay down on the couch and it's an extensive meal. It is inappropriate, not proper etiquette to get up and to go to have to defecate in the middle of the meal, especially when there are no bathrooms nearby. Therefore, one should take care of this issue beforehand. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak Sudat Keva this goes into such a meal, you should take off his tefillin, and then go in. The reason you have to take off your tefillin going into the meal, because as Rashi says, you might get drunk in the meal. Right? If you drink wine, their meals included wine, and you get drunk, and then it would be, then a person would be either acting or in a state of being that would not be proper for his tefillin. You place them right on your table, and that is a certain amount of pride, or I would say majesty to this individual, that he has his tefillin right there. First of all, I think it helps them to remind them how to conduct themselves during the meal. It also allows them to put the tefillin on. As soon as the meal's over, they can put the tefillin right back on. Because before he says that, you don't bring them in. Take them off and then go in. You don't bring them in with you. You can leave them off until the Birkhara Mazon, Birkhara Mazon, you can put them on. This comes back to what we were discussing before Shul. Over here, a person's allowed to put his tefillin with his money inside of his bag. And one says, you're not allowed to put the money together. Depends if he prepared them for the tefillin or not. The sudar of the tefillin, this is like a turban in which you store the tefillin. It was made particularly to store tefillin in it. You put in tefillin there, you can no longer put in coins there. 
if he prepared it, has yet to put the tefillin in it, or tzarbe, he put in tefillin, and he didn't designate it for tefillin, one can put in money. So the Bayi, according to Abayi, it's a machloket in the Gemara Megillah, as to whether preparation makes something already attain a certain level of tusha. The Gemara until now says, no, you need husbandah, preparation, and you have to actually store the tefillin there in order to be kadosh. So what according to Abayi says, that even when you prepare it, that's sufficient to make it kadosh, then Azmane, I forgot to Tzarbe, if he prepared it, didn't put the tefillin in it yet, then it's already Kadosh. Tzarbe, i Azmane, Asiri, lo Azmane, lo. But the other way around, if you stored the tefillin in it, only if you prepared it for tefillin, designated for tefillin, would it be so? If you didn't prepare it for tefillin, that would not be so. So again, when it comes to bags for its tefillin, one has to be very careful that if they intend to put other items in the bag, that they should ahead of time have in mind to do that, because otherwise you're not permitted to store other things with the tefillin. So you're going to have the toilet bag around it, or you're going to put your sitter and other things in there. One should be careful to have that in mind up front. So by many Rav Yosef prayed to Rav Nechunia, may Rav Yehuda. Can a person, when they go to sleep at night, put their tefillin under their head? Can't store them at the bottom of your bed, the foot of your bed, by your feet. Because that is an inappropriate manner to treat your tefillin. It is a bizayon to the tefillin. He got me bali takam rashutav under his head. My, what's the din? You're allowed to put them on your head, even if you have your wife in the bed with you, which the possibility then is that they might have marital relations, that's still permitted to put them there. One shouldn't store the tefillin below his legs, below his feet, because that is inappropriate way to act the tefillin. Then he has to, but he can put them up by his, under his head. His wife's with him in the bed, then he may not do this. He has a location by his head that's above three or below three tefachim. Mutar, then he place him on there. It's a strong reputation of Shmuel's position. So over here you say, you're not allowed to have them under your pillow when your wife's in the bed with you. Even though the Brita is a reputation of Shmuel's position. The Loche is like Shmuel. It's happening over and over again. We have a bunch of very interesting dynamic in the Gemara here. We have a number of Tiyuftot. And the Gemara keeps saying, well, even though it's a Tiyufta, and then it moves forward. So, so it's over here. Even though Shmuel is a Tiyufta and Shmuel, nevertheless, we paskin like Shmuel against the Braita. My taima, kolon turen hotfei odif. The better you store them, the better it is. So better protection for the tefillin, we, we like that better. So over here, if you keep them under your pillow, that's going to be better storage. They're going to be, the Shmirah is going to be even better. And therefore, we opt for that over putting them in the three tefachim above or below because rather that you store them even if he's toimo, even if his wife in the bed. How do you place them under your pillow? Rav Yirmiya ben Kadakesa, between the pillow and the sheet of the mattress, shouldn't be exactly where your head is. So that's the way to store them. That's the proper way to put them in order to keep them overnight. Also, I want to mention here at the end, again, you see this accent of the Gemara on Shmirah. The part of tefillin is not just wearing tefillin. The mitzvah of tefillin is to be shamura to tefillin, to guard the tefillin and take care of them. And therefore, again, over here, we make an exception to what would have been, what seems to be a normal rule, that if his wife was in the bed, that we wouldn't want the tefillin there. Nevertheless, we say, put the tefillin because the shmirah is greater. So even when he's not wearing tefillin, there's a din of shmirah on tefillin. And that is a chelik of the mitzvah to treat the tefillin, and to give them that shmirah, both when you're wearing them and when you are not wearing them. All right, we'll stop over here. The Marquis is down the Amud for quite a while now, so we're going to stop over here and uh, continue that with tomorrow's daf.